Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Ernest Wamboye, and today we're continuing with our series on overcoming lust. We're looking at the book of Proverbs, chapter 5, and we have looked at verses 1 to verse 10 so far, and today we're picking up from verse 11. And we have done four episodes so far, and we want to continue to see what the writer of Proverbs, and that is King Solomon, has to say to us concerning living a pure life. We want to have purity of body, purity of mind, purity of heart. If you missed verse 1 to verse 10, I highly encourage you to go back to previous podcasts and listen to them. And you can continue with us as we continue with part 5. But before we do that, let me read Proverbs chapter 5. And like I say, this is a particular chapter that I have personally memorized. I've committed it to my memory. And so I'm going to be quoting it from the NIV 1984 version. And this is what it says. My son, pay attention to my words. Pay attention, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your best strength to others and your ears to one who is cruel. Let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and your body are spent, you will say, How I hated discipline, how my heart spanned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always, and may you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him, the cause of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. And that's the word of the Lord, Proverbs chapter 5. So we want to continue with uh, verse 11. And prior to this, uh, Solomon has talked about the cost of going down the path of lust. Prior to this, he said, uh, you need to stay away from her. You need to stay away from lust because um, you, you lose something. There's a certain loss that you'll experience. And he says in verse 9 that you will lose your best strength. You'll lose, you'll lose your best years. And then in verse 10, he says you lose your wealth. So you lose youth. You lose, you lose time. You lose energy, you lose you lose money. Last is costly. Sin is expensive, guys. Sin will take you further than you wish you to go. It will keep you longer than you're, than you're willing to stay. And it will make you pay more than you're willing to spend. This is the reality of sin. Sin is never free. It costs. It is expensive. So after talking about the cost, 
He goes on to verse 11 and says, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spun correction. I want you to look at what the writer of Proverbs is saying, that there is a reflection of this man's life from his from the vantage point of his of his of of being an old man and the writer is not an old man at this point and he's writing concerning a young man who has not yet reached um his his later years in life but he's sparing us to think if you are in your 80s if you are in your 70s what will you say what would you say when you got there or what will you say when you get there concerning your life, concerning your sexual purity? And he says, if this man grows up not listening to the instructions of wisdom, if he grows up and he undermines the truth of God's word, last will have a field day with him and we've been told at the end of his life. In his sunset years, he will look back and he will say, my goodness, I messed up. I messed up horribly. I messed up. And guys, the writer is prompting us to have a visionary aspect concerning our lives. Many a times when lust is uh, beguiling us, we are consumed in the here and the now. What do I feel right now? What do I feel right here? What do I want to do right away? And there's an immediacy that lust brings into the picture that makes you very impatient. But the writer of Proverbs 5, Solomon, is telling us, forget about the immediacy of your carnal desires. I want you to think long term. Think about yourself as an elderly man or woman. Think about your life that has been spent. In fact, he says, uh, at the end of your life, you will groan. You know what to groan is? To groan is to cry out in pain. It is a cry of anguish. It is a cry of, of regret. And there's deep regret in this old man. And it says when your flesh and your body are spent, that same flesh and that same body that would titillate you, that same flesh and that same body that would be the conduit of your sexual sin are now spent. They can no longer serve you. They are worn out, perhaps even worn out by disease, perhaps even worn out by old age. And they can no longer serve you. Your carnal desires were momentary and they emptied your soul, they emptied your spirit, and now your body is dead. And you are in a time in your life when you regret. I want you to think about this concept. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that you had the capacity to, to travel through time. Let's say you you had a time machine, you know, like those ones in the movies, and you got into this time machine. And you traveled into the future and you met the 85-year-old you. And the 85-year-old you meets you and they only have got 10 minutes with you. What do you think the 85-year-old you would tell you? What do you think they would advise you to do or advise you not to do? And this is exactly what Solomon is doing. He's putting us in the picture of that 85-year-old, and that 85-year-old is speaking back to the young man and is saying, oh my goodness, how I hated discipline, verse 12. How my heart spanned correction. 
One thing for sure is that if you hate discipline and if you span correction right now, there is going to be a repercussion that will be felt all the way as you approach your deathbed. This is a guarantee of last. That last will not just leave you having enjoyed what you've enjoyed. It will have long-term effects even as you near the grave. You look back at your life and you'll be asked, do you regret anything? Or perhaps you'll ask yourself, do you regret anything? And there are many things perhaps you'll not regret, but this is a guarantee from the Bible. If there's one thing you will regret, you will regret getting involved in sexual sin. Sexual sin will be a point of regret. How I hated discipline. You will say how I wished I was more disciplined. How I wished that I could tame this body. How I wish that I could go back in time and teach my body self-control. Older people look back at their lives and when they look at their sexual mistakes, it's one area of their life if they undid, if they had the power to undo, they could dramatically improve the quality of their lives. So you listening to this right now, I don't know how old you are, but this is the reality. You are younger today than you will be tomorrow. Tomorrow is a future for you. If you're going to make it, please understand that today is the youngest you'll ever be. As you listen to this podcast right now, this is the youngest you'll ever be. From here on, you're getting older. And so therefore, I want you to look at this even in light of, not not just in light of your previous life, but in, in light of your future. Because if you look at it in light of your previous life, you'll just be filled with regret and feel like, oh, well, too late, I can't do anything about it. But if you look at your present life in light of your future, you'll realize, wait, I am alive now and there are things I can do right now to change the situation. I can train myself to love discipline. I can train myself to love my body. The body must be disciplined. This is what Solomon is telling us. The body must undergo a rigor, thorough, disciplined regime in order for it to overcome. Now, I've noticed something about our physical body. One of the things that throws our body out of balance and makes us uh, not, and makes us give into sexual sin or make us uh, not uh, understand how to control it is by not understanding its weak points. There are times when your body, no matter how much you train it, is weak. There are seasons in your life where you need to watch out for so that you don't fall into sexual sin easily. And some of those seasons uh, occur perhaps uh, on a daily basis. (laughs) Some of them are a bit more occasionally than often. And I want you to notice this acronym that I'm going to give you, HALT, H-A-L-T, H-A-L-T. The path, of, the path to discipline begins with self-awareness, and I want you to be self-aware concerning this. HALT, H-A-L-T. What does HALT stand for? HALT is an acronym that tells you you're most vulnerable to sexual sin when you are H, hungry, A, angry, L, lonely, T, tired. Your body... When hungry, angry, lonely, and tired is often subjected to be predisposed to weakness, especially of the sexual kind. What does that mean for you as far as discipline is concerned? Let's start with H, hungry. It means that you need to take care of your physical body through your diet. You need to eat well. 
need to ensure that your body receives the right kind of nutrients. It's not just enough to feed your body so that you're full and no longer hungry, but that you're also healthy. So we're not just trying to get rid of hunger. We are also trying to ensure that we are healthy. And so what kind of food do you consume? You want your body to be at optimum condition as far as the content that you consume. That is your food. Let's look at A, angry. When you're emotionally out of sorts, your body will more likely, most likely look for a way to um, release that tension. And you see, when you're angry, it's not really your body that's angry. The anger is in your soul. But you see, that anger is expressed through your body. You shout, you scream, you say words, you do things. And if you want to calm your soul, you have to ensure that you are emotionally balanced. Emotionally balanced. And so one of the things you can do is that you can pray. Because the Bible says, is anyone of you in trouble, he should pray. Anything that puts you in spiritual trouble should be met with prayer. And the way to counter our emotions is to pray them. When David was going through a difficult time, he prayed his emotions. When he was glad, he prayed. When he was down, he prayed. He constantly prayed. Then let's look at the next one, lonely. When you're lonely, you also need to understand that your body can look for affection. Many a times I've met people who tell me, Ernest, you know, I got into sexual sin because I was feeling a bit lonely and I wanted someone to hug me, I wanted someone to hold me, and I found myself going down a very dark path. Uh, or I found myself going to Netflix looking for something that would satisfy me and I'd feel better. So you have to discipline your mind. But when you're lonely, you have to do something else. You need to get involved with company. You need to call friends. Get involved with company that will refresh you, not company that will destroy you or lead you down a path of sin. Don't let the mind be fooled that the way to solve loneliness is through sexual sin. There are healthy, godly ways to solve loneliness apart from giving in to sin. So one would say the Christian company the good company that will keep you refreshed. The next thing that you can do is that you can learn to spend time with the Lord. Most of our problems arise from our inability to sit quietly in a room with God. I'll tell you that for sure. I think those were the words of Blaise Pascal, if I'm not wrong. Um, I could be wrong. I need to go back to that. But there was a summation of a certain philosophy who, philosopher who said that most of our problems are drawn from our inability to sit quiet in a room alone with God. Guys, this is the reality. That your loneliness must be met by the presence of godly friends or the presence of God himself. Learn to be okay being alone. Learn to be okay being by yourself with the Lord. Learn, normalize being with the Lord. Normalize it, friends. And then tired. Your body needs to rest. Your body needs times when it's um, getting its... It needs to recuperate. And apart from rest, your body also needs to be healthy. You need to work out your body. You need to ensure that you exercise, you go to the gym, you run around, take care of your physical health. When your body is at optimum condition, it is more likely to be disciplined. When your mind is at optimum condition, it's more likely to be disciplined. The discipline of your life is most likely a partnership between your mind and your body. And if you, if you, if, if you strengthen that partnership between your mind and your body, you will be glad. How I hate discipline, the writer said. How I spawned correction. 
The 85-year-old you would say to you, please be teachable. Please accept correction. Please submit yourselves to people who can tell you what you don't like to hear. Please stop thinking that the people who are authorities over you should only say things you need to hear. Please understand that God in his majesty contradicts the human race by constantly telling them his standard even though the humanity humanity does not like it it is not because he hates us it's because he loves us submit yourself to godly authority submit yourself to a local church be a person who's constantly under a learning system where you are learning you are being corrected and you're willing to grow you're willing to accept correction He goes on to say, verse 13, I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Look at that. Teachers, instructors. Who are these? There are people who perhaps you may never meet. There are people perhaps who may play a role in instructing you, in giving you wisdom. And the most important thing is not that you just have these instructors, but that you obey them, that you listen to them. There are people who can gather around them, many people, and they hear many things, but they don't practice it. Listen, the mark of a Christian is obedience. The Bible says in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. There must be obedience. And he goes on to say in verse 14, I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. This is what happens when you're not teachable. You get ruined, but you don't just get ruined. You get utterly ruined. This is what lust does. Lust is not just content with ruining you. It wants to ruin you utterly. Utterly. And then it says this utter ruin is happening in the midst of the whole assembly. Now, this is the reality concerning lust. That lust always comes to try, always tries to give, always tries to bring public shame. It's interesting that when we engage in lustful behavior, we engage it privately, but the consequences come out publicly look at this in the midst of the whole assembly the whole assembly the whole town the place where everybody can see and you must understand that when we engage with lust privately the repercussions will be public whatever we do in secret will be brought to the light count the cost my friends count the cost count the cost I want you to imagine if the things you're involved in, whether the pornography, the masturbation, fornication, adultery, were brought to the force, were brought forth in public for everyone to see, would you stand those things? If the answer is no, please understand that God is actually saving you from embarrassment and from shame. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Ladies and gentlemen, We'll stop there for today and next week we'll continue from verse 15 as we talk about overcoming lust. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I pray that, Lord, that that this series is helping you. It's blessing you. Um, And for more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to Edify, the Edify app, or you could go to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app. You could also look for the Edify app or the Google or the Apple Play Stores, and you will be surely blessed. See you next week.